And on that note, I, I gotta say, we gotta have those maple tarts every day next year because I didn't get any and I really would like some. You missed um, your chance. Well, you see, that's the nice thing. If you if you had looked at the published menu, you would have known that the maple yeah. tarts were only on one magical day. Yes. And you would I have would got have. the one. So you're telling me that not only did you miss out on the maple tarts, did you eat hickory sticks? Welcome to ADSP, the podcast episode 93, recorded on August 15th, 2022. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we continue with part two of our four-part interview with Kate Gregory and talk to her about CPP North and her keynote at that conference. I'll link a collection of all of Kate's talks, including Emotional Code, which was one of your more recent uh, favorites of mine that you've given in the last couple of years, but the most recent talk, unless if you've spoken in between now and CPP North, which I, I don't <laughs> the last think you have. Three weeks, I have not. <laughs> you gave the opening keynote uh, with the title "Am I a Good Programmer?" Um, which is now, I believe, available online. I saw the YouTube video go out. Yeah, so maybe if you want, give us um, a little bit of an overview of that if you want, and the feedback you got to that because I I heard the talk. I mean, I was there, I saw it. It was awesome, but I heard it got a lot of awesome feedback from folks that were in the audience and. And then from there, we can talk about how how running a conference, because you were there from day zero with Mike uh, setting this up even before I got involved. So so I, I, I did this talk because people tell me all the time that they're worried that they're not good programmers. And often the reason they think they're not good programmers is because they're nice people. Like they're not, you know, uh, maybe people don't take me seriously. I don't snark at other people. I don't put other people down. I'm always trying to uh, find something nice to say or something helpful to do. And is that just the behavior, you know, like a crutch or a weakness of people who aren't very good at what they're doing? And how can I know if I'm good at what I'm doing? And especially if you're trying to ask someone to leave meanness and snarkiness behind, they feel they don't have any other yardstick to measure themselves with. So um, I've, I've had this feeling for a long time that, that there's some skills that can't really be objectively measured, but that you can measure, assess yourself on with these three questions that I, that I ask rhetorically and then answer in the, in the keynote about um, uh, whether or not you've ever truly badly failed a lot and whether you do that on the regular or not, uh, what other people are willing to ask you about or ask your advice about, and then finally how you feel about the work while you're doing it. And you know those are better measures of whether you're any good at this or not than how often you commit code or um, what certificates you have on your wall. And, uh, and just sort of walk through that. And then there's a bit of a I don't know what you call it, a diversion in the middle where I'm like, well, here's how, here's some ways to get better. And we talk about that for a while before coming back to the, to the fundamental question. And um, really it's a talk that's, um, it's not language specific. I mean, okay. I, I think I do say that's rotate at some point, but uh, <laughs> that's, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be a C++ talk exactly. You know, it's just, um, to have the confidence to know, you don't know all of it, but you know the parts you need to know. Um, people ask Bjarna, you know, for like a rating from one to 10, of what's your skill level? And, and he'll say seven, you know, because there's cause there's stuff he's not keeping up with or doesn't care about or doesn't use, right? He's, I, re I saw the papers, I heard about it at the meetings, but I've never written something to do that for real. And I think we all have a piece of C++ that we can say that about. Oh, a piece, holy smoke, I mean. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm thinking of like a pie and like yeah. I've, you, to call what I don't know about C++ a slice would be an understatement. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, what was it? A couple episodes, Bryce, we were talking about is 1800 something pages in, in the C++ 20 standard. And yeah. I don't even know how many are going to be in the 23 standard. It, it, I think it'll be over 2000. Yeah. It's, um, and it, I, I think it's unreasonable to expect that the average C++ programmer is going to have, you know holistic understanding of that whole document um i don't think that's necessary to be a a good c++ programmer Um, absolutely not and stuff is is still you know landing there are people who can use modules and there are people who can't there there are people who can use coroutines and there are people who can't um one of my favorite like sports to, to watch not to do is uh the the ranges channel and the include c++ discord Oh, I thought you were going to say an actual sport. And I was like, this is going to be so interesting to see where this goes. I was like, some C++ to but cricket. It, but like, it is how's... a sport because someone's like, here's what I need to do. And I have this loop, but it's really kind of gross. And maybe it's two loops. And I, I, I don't like it. And then within a day, someone goes, well, you could just do this. It's like three lines, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I have Connor for. Exactly. <laughs> like like that. that is, I'm not saying that's the only thing that we like employ Connor for, but that's, that's one of Connor's primary job functions. It's just astonishing. You just look at it and you go, oh, that's, that's what this is for. You know, that's excellent. And it's, it's more readable. It's more expressive. I can't generate those yet. So I can't look at the first loop and go, oh, well, clearly you should, whatever. But um, that's my next plan. I'm not paying a lot of attention right now to to coroutines, I'm not paying a ton of attention to concepts, but I, I want to get a lot better at the range stuff because it's so beautiful, you know? Yeah. I mean, C23 will be a good step because it's kind of C20 has the basic stuff, but like very quickly, like there's not even ranges colon colon two um, or formatting with um, format, which means you can you can't even either print out or convert your range into a container so like you're just stuck with it in range form which means that you have to set up like a range based for loop and then print things out elements so it's just it's not it's sort of like the in the c plus plus 11 to 14 like some features were right, we just got some some errata that are missing i i really feel that one because i i did put some ranges stuff in the courses that i've that i've written uh the what's new in c plus plus 20 and then the big c plus plus 20 fundamentals and it's like this is beautiful, but I can't hover over it in the debugger to show you. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to write a loop and print it on the screen. Forgive me. <laughs> no, that's, that's, <laughs> well, it's one of the things I say in Stop Teaching C. You know, because the title and the abstract were out there and my talk was not on the first day of the conference and people were accosting me in the Maidenbauer. This was CppCon when it was in Bellevue. And they're saying, you say, you say in your abstract that we shouldn't be teaching printf on day one. Well, my heavens what are you going to teach them instead you can't possibly want to teach them streams that's the grossest thing in the universe and so when i get to this part of the talk and i'm like here's what what do i think you should do if you don't do printf i'm like like how about nothing like how about you teach them the debugger and people's mouths came open you know because like yes teaching the debugger is actually very useful for the world outside the course right and way better than memorizing all the printf format strings and so I try really hard not to print stuff out in my courses if I can. And with Pluralsight, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage because I don't know what tool the learner is using. 
They could be on any operating system. They could be using any editor. They could be using any compiler. So I can't tell them. Just hover over this in the debugger and you'll see that the value is now three because they may not have that. So there is output statements in some of those courses, but I try really hard not to if I can. And with the range of stuff, I had no choice. I had to write loops and print things out. That's just like yeah. going back in time. Do either of you know if, um, cause my first thought when hearing that is like, it's so true. Like using a debugger, especially if you have like, you know, visual C plus plus or visual studio, something like that, where it's got, you know, it's a world-class editor and debugger. Um, but half the time I do my prototyping or de even developing, like I will, if it's a standalone thing, I'll do it in Godbolt and then copy it back just cause it's, it's so much nicer. And I feel like I have better control. Does Godbolt have debugging capabilities? Cause I think a lot of the times when I'm doing ranges stuff there, that's the, you need some nice way to format. And then I usually like, you have the ability to include uh, Victor's format library and then also uh, Niebler's range V3. So you can get access to all the goodies, but you need to know the headers and stuff. And it's definitely not the, the nicety of just working with what comes in your um, library. Or well, if it doesn't have it now, Matt, consider this a feature request. <laughs> Does he listen to this? Yeah, I mean, everybody listens. Everybody no, listens. Right. <laughs> Bryce's understanding or view of what this podcast is is so, he thinks we have fans. Everybody <laughs> we, listens. We have fans anymore now. That just call people out on the podcast. We have fans that approach us, that approach me at conferences. Somebody... Somebody was so excited about this podcast that they tweeted because they wanted to know whether or not we were actually, you were going to actually come to New York. You, you were able to change your flights to come see me. Like, come on, we, we have fans. I just we think that's an avid, people. I think that's an avid listener and an, uh, a curious listener. I, it makes me so uncomfortable. An awesome listener. <laughs> to, to an awesome listener. What was, uh, what was our listeners' fans? We don't even have stickers yet. We're not even really like a fully formed podcast until we have stickers. I'm, so. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call out that listener by name because I. I don't want to like, like call undue attention to them that they may not want. But thank you. You made our day. <laughs> right. So we we were talking about uh, debuggers printing. Yes, Matt, if you're listening, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure one of our listeners will comment on the, the, the tweet of this, if, if it is, and I'm sure we could check in a couple minutes. Um, but yeah, so uh, we were talking about your keynote. What was the feedback like? Did you have folks coming up afterwards asking or responding, thank you, I now feel like I love what I do, and I, my coworkers do ask me for advice, so I feel I did, vindicated. I did have a couple it, of people who told me they felt, they felt a lot better about it, and, and I've had multiple people tell me that uh, the idea of your own emotional reaction to your work as a measure of whether or not you're any good at it was a new one for them. That that was, an, that was a new insight for them. That, you know, it is unpleasant to not be good at things every day. You know, to, to have, if you have a boss, to have your boss say, no, no, this is, this is not what I wanted. I'm sorry. I'm going to give it to someone else to do because we don't have time for you to do it again or those, those things are unpleasant. And if, and if that's not what happens to you at work, if you get given a task and you do a task and everyone likes it, you know, that makes you happy. And so, you know, that just kind of emotional in the moment reaction has all kinds of really useful information in it. Years ago, our staff asked us why we didn't have automatic deposit of their paychecks into their bank accounts, why they got paper checks signed with a pen. And I imagined doing the automatic thing and I didn't want to. And I sort of sat with that, like, why, why do I not? Like, we're, we're high tech people. We should, we should do that, right? And I was like, 
because it's actually the world's smallest performance review. Like every two weeks, here's a little tiny piece of paper. It's got your name on it. It's got a number. And then I have to sign under the number. And, and I was actually like going like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. You know? And if I ever, if I'm ever like, what? This much money for what I ha what happened the last month here? I don't think so. Then, you know, it was time to maybe do a slightly longer and more important performance review. But there are these like little emotional reactions to things that actually carry just a huge quantity of information if you let yourself listen to it. Yeah, there have definitely been moments I can think of where, I mean, I'm, I'm sure almost every C++ developer has been there. I mean, whether their reaction at the end was the same, but you've been working on some issue that, you know, at, for, for hours, whether it was, you know, till late in the morning, all in one session or over a weekend or over several evenings or even days at work. And then you finally get something to work. And it wasn't just like, you know, a single character missing. It was a, it was a challenging problem that you were having to learn stuff for and, and work through. And then you get it working and it's just, it's like the best feeling in the world. Um, I, I remember times in my first job, like, it being like 11 p.m. at night and just like running around the because no one's no one's there. It's just you and just like right. being there's so no one to talk elated. To. There's no one to celebrate with that you finally cracked it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and I've had that conversation with a few people that like, you know, that moment where you've been working on a hard problem for um, whether it's, you know, a number of hours in a day or spanning like a couple weeks and then you finally crack it. Um, and it yeah, it just it's it's like the best. It's It's like a dopamine hit. I'm sure there's some some parallel to, to, you know, um, what did I, I learned at some point that, um, when you run and you get what they call runner's highs, it's like, uh, endorphin is an actual opioid. So it's technically like, you're I, I getting... was about to say, Connor, please don't compare everyone <laughs> who works in our industry to drug addicts, but you, you, you are, and then I thought maybe he's not going to go down that I mean, route, but no, it's, you're going there. It's like a healthy, I mean, I've heard people unhealthily being addicted to running, but like of the things, and like, I think programming, you know, it's very, it's not the same as running, but I, I think these things that like, they cause a chemical reaction in our brain, and that is like a healthy chemical response of our you know, some reward system of being like, this is awesome. Do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You solved it. Uh, you're the, you're the genius. No one is as smart as you are. Yeah. That was such a great idea. Um, and it is, it's, it is, if not addictive, it's certainly, it's like salty potato chips or, or your favorite chocolate or something, you know, you want more of it. And, um, I think for most people, it's a healthy addiction, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, um, even like, I used to, when I, I used on the last team I worked at NVIDIA, they had little better code meetings. And every once in a while, I'd just do a meeting where I'd show like three or four, I'd create small PRs of, of like replacing for loops with algorithms. And like, that's all it was. But like, there was like a tiny little, I don't know if it was endorphins or dopamine or wh whatever it was, but like a finding a raw loop and then being like, huh, that's a count if, or ah, that's whatever it is. And like, it's a small thing. Maybe for some people, it doesn't cause that little chemical. But like, for me, it's like, and then your PR is always like a net minus because you're replacing like these yes. four or five uh, line loops with like a single line algorithm call. And uh, you make a little lightning talk out of it. It's like a small thing. But like it's every once in a while when I get frustrated with whatever task I was working on, I just go open a PR and start like <laughs> uh, raw loop hunting and then create like whatever, a five file PR took a couple hours and I'd feel better after it. And I think, yeah, that it's it's something that I hadn't heard up until your talk is like ask yourself, like, do you actually 
enjoy what you're doing or are you miserable every day? And, and I think that was one of the things he said in your talk. Like if you are miserable every day, like potentially, you know, you should take a step back and reassess. Um, yeah. Because you, sh you shouldn't be miserable every day doing, doing your, your, your job. Um, That's right. And it may, it may not have anything to do with the tech. You know, I mean, it, it may, maybe, maybe you're not working in a language that's a good fit for how your brain works or whatever, but, you know, you may work with horrible people or you may work in an industry you're not proud of or something, but there's, there's a lot of joy to be had in this work. And I think many of us were raised that if it's, there's work for which you get money, you make sacrifices, you put yourself through it because that's what we do. And then there's fun. And that's kind of cheating. You know, if your work could be fun and lucrative and you could be proud of it and know you were really making a difference and for a lot of us you know we we, we are making a difference we're making people's lives easier or smoother we're not all saving lives but we're not all wasting our time either you know yeah yeah no it's it's definitely a, a privileged position to be in to be able to you know it's one thing my dad would always say is like if you find something you love you'll never have to work a day in your life but like it's to be in that position is a very, very privileged position, but, um, yeah, it is awesome to find something that you like, you know, every once in a while you hear people, they whisper and say, Oh, don't tell my employer, but I do this for free. Like I wouldn't do it for free, but, um, <laughs> I mean my, my day job that is, but like I would, if I was a billionaire still be solving APL, you know, little leak Cody or C plus plus algorithm, like definitely I'd still be doing that. Um, I'd probably be doing it on a beach somewhere, uh, you know, <laughs> with, uh, with, you know, I don't know, some, some whatever See, happens now, on a beach. This is something I that I would not admit on a podcast that I'm pretty sure your boss <laughs> listens to. Uh, I have a new boss though, and guarantee. Oh. No, your new boss. I mean, you think he listens? Do you think Michael Michael Garland is in research for those? Um... Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I was th I was thinking of the of uh, I was thinking of Jake, but he is not. And he was neither oh, no. your boss nor your new boss. But you yeah, know what? Yeah. Like, if one of my staff were to say to me, I would. I, I so I have had people try to work for me for free. And I don't, I don't, I don't allow it. Okay. Um, because you're going to have bad weeks, you're going to have bad months. And there's going to be times when the only reason you're going to come in is that if you don't come in, I won't pay you. And they may not happen very often, but I want you to come in on those days. So, uh, plus there's actually an awful lot of expenses, you know, associated with, with bringing in, yeah. especially students. Like it's not, it's not people who won the lottery who offer to work for you for free. It's like students. I remember we, we hired a student and all his classmates were emailing me saying, I want what he's having because they'd seen the, the difference in him while he was working with us. He was working on real projects for real clients. He was learning what mattered. It was very different from what he was being taught in the classroom. And they wanted more of that. And I'm like, I'd have to sell work, manage you, talk to the client, check over your work and see if it's any good, blah, blah, blah. Like that's a huge lot of expense. The fact that I don't have to give you a salary is trivial. The salary of a student programmer is not an important part of the cost of this project, right? And if I don't pay you, I have nothing to hold over you, so I'm going to pay you. And if I if I can't make money paying you, then I can't make money not paying you either. So, um, so go ahead, tell your boss that you love your work enough to do it for free. They'll still pay you. <laughs> I have an answer to a question that we raised earlier. I was going to say, are you going to say a question that we haven't asked? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, as of time of recording, the C++ working draft is 2,062 pages. So it is over 2,000 pages. It took me about five minutes 
to uh, to do the git pull from Ming. <laughs> like just the length took, of the document. It took four minutes and 14 seconds on my workstation to build the LaTeX document. Wow. Which is, which is impressive. And it produces a 7.5 megabyte uh, uh, PDF file. I'm actually surprised it's only, I think that's like less than 300 or just over 300 pages, considering all the stuff that went in. I, I, so I, I, um, I did not check how much stuff from the last plenary has been merged. I'm pretty sure that, that, that the top of trunk of the standard has most of the things that are going into the committee draft. Um, when all of the latex diagnostic vomit was, uh, was scrolling through, I did see references to MD span, which means that the MD span, or I saw references to the MD span stable tag, which means that that's been merged and that was voted in the last plenary. And that was the biggest paper. So that, um, in terms of page count. So, uh, so that's probably what, what, what pushed us up over 2000. I mean, I guess we should be glad that it didn't go up a thousand. I, I shouldn't be complaining that it's only 300 pa- like as if I want to read a 3000 page uh, standard. <laughs> but um, for, for me, it's good because MD span is a thing that I actually know. So now like, like as of the merging of MD span, I know a proportionally slightly larger part of C++ <laughs> than I did before. All right, Bryce. <laughs> I'm glad for your big win. Um, it is a big win. Now I know like, I don't know, 10% of C++ versus like 8% before. Awesome. All right. So um, we've talked about your keynotes and link in the show note for those that weren't there in person to see it or haven't already seen it online. I'm sure several of our listeners will have already seen it. Um, maybe we can transition to uh, talking about how CPP North went from your perspective as both a uh, committee member and organizer, a keynote speaker, and also a, uh, what was the term we came up with? We came up with BTFN, Benevolent Team for Now. Not a benevolent dictator for life. You're a benevolent team for now. It's going to catch on uh, (laughs) as the new acronym uh, of, uh, so Kate is one of the three BTFN members for Carbon. Um, well, maybe we'll start start with whatever you want to start with. And it, this was a over a year in the making now, I guess, for you. because The conference, you, or... well over. So we were going to do it in 2021. We were planning. Oh, that's in, right. Yeah. So we were planning. In, I, I think in 2019, we started planning. And in wow. some ways, we started planning before that. Because Mike, Mike Dom makes things happen. And so does Jason. And Mike and Jason together are a team that just makes things happen. Like, I can't tell you how many people have emailed me over the years and said, is there a C++ user group or meetup or whatever in Toronto? And if not, you know, why don't you start one? And I'm like, because I got stuff to do. <laughs> but if you start one, I'll help you. I'll come and talk and I'll get my friends to come and talk and it'll be fine. And no one's ever, like, they've all said, oh, that's great. Thanks. And that's been the end of that. And Mike and Jason made it happen and, and you know, created this thriving pre-pandemic, and I'm sure we'll thrive again, a meetup that was changing people's lives, teaching people things, getting people jobs, giving people community. And Mike could have sat back and said, behold, I, I'm a person who can make meetups. And instead he's like, we need a conference. You know, so, and it's the same thing. I'm like, well, I'll help you, right? Uh, and And he calls my bluff and he makes a conference and he gathers together this really good team, um, 
Matt and Diana as well. And then, you know, you're in as program chair and Guy came as code of conduct person. Like, you know, we, we pulled together a, a, a very experienced group of folks. It's not their first radio, rodeo by any means. And, and I often say that my number one role on the board and uh, on the committee of the conference is to say, well, here's how they handle that at this other conference. So yeah, here's how this got done at meeting C++. Here's how this got done at C++ on C, at ACCU, at whatever, you know, NDC Tech Town, wherever I've been and I've had a chance to see how things were done. And that includes places maybe that, that handle things poorly. And I'm just so, first of all, I'm so impressed at all the things that the, the conference managed to do still during a pandemic with a very restricted budget because of restricted attendance and everything else. Uh, we say that a lot of things you can do to be inclusive are almost free. And this conference, I think, really proved that. So we had the quiet room for anyone who was a little overwhelmed by being at a conference and just couldn't people for a minute. We had a separate prayer room. Lots of conferences have had quiet rooms. But we had a couple people on the, the group who pray regularly and said they didn't like to pray in a quiet room, like a library type room. So we had a separate prayer room and it got used. Uh, we published our menus. That was just, that was, that helped me. And I don't really have any food allergies, but just to be reminded what, what the food was and when it was going to be and where it was going to be and to know what every break was going to consist of and people with actual uh, food issues, whether they're religious based, whether they're allergies based. Um, I, I know someone who has texture issues and can't eat certain things if they're the wrong texture. So uh, they could eat a club sandwich, but they can't eat a chicken nugget. It's not the, the chicken, it's the texture of the chicken, right? Right. And so to know exactly what's going to be in every single meal uh, was was a very powerful a piece of information to give people. And it cost a person's time, right? A human typed up the, the information and put it on the website and that's it. So there were so many things like that, captioning in every room, um, yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I attended the meetings and things, but there was things that were at this conference that were like off my radar, like that they had, because at first I was like, ah, the text, like you can definitely see it if you're in the front row. Um, but from some of the smaller rooms, they just had a small screen. And then uh, one of the volunteers was like, oh yeah, just go to the app and like you can get it like on your laptop or your phone. And I was like, what? Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, like it's a, it's, it's a, you can either sit at the front and read it from the screen or you can just load it up onto your individual laptop screen. And I was like, oh wow, like that's the, that makes so much sense. And I would have, I would have never thought about that and had no idea that that's what we were providing. And that was awesome. It, it really was. And there were so many things like that where someone just thought of something and just did a little nice thing. And so, you know, Somewhere there's another conference that has someone like me who whenever people are trying to make decisions, they're going to say, well, here's what they did at CPP North. And so and so that's going to spread. That that makes me happy. I think conferences are very different. I've been going to conferences for 20 years and and I've seen so many changes in that time uh, for the better. I don't think that the people who used to feel excluded, who now feel welcome. It, it's a one way thing. There's not some people who are like, well, I used to really like conferences, but now there's enough bathrooms for everybody. So pff, I'm not going anymore. You know, like, like the, it's just not a problem to make things better for more people, you know? Um, and yes, yeah, some things are really expensive, right? Um, captioning is very expensive. 
covering speaker travel is very expensive. But if you don't do them, then your speakers and your attendees are a different set of folks than who you would otherwise get. And if your speakers are only people whose employers are willing to pay them to come, then you're hearing different voices than if there are some speakers who who will come if the conference can pay for them to come. Yeah, no. I, I mean, one of the reasons I'm super excited, obviously it's exciting to have a C++ conference in the place you live, but uh, one, it means I basically can go every year, whether as a speaker or as an attendee. Uh, but two, um, it definitely reduces the carbon footprint for me because it's one of the things I always feel bad about is um, if, if you end up going to several conferences a year, depending on where they are, if they're over in Europe, de- depending on where you're based, it, it can be a very large impact. Um And so, I mean, we were, uh, it's something we took into account is that if we had local people like, you know, Patrice Roy was in, uh, Montreal and you're local as well. It's like, it's, it's helpful to have, you know, folks that I think, what was it? A third of our attendees were, were local, which is, I'm not sure what the stats are for, um, you know, other conferences, but definitely being based in Toronto, we have a ton of companies here, you know, I won't list them off, but a ton of, you know, big you know, three letter, however many acronym, mm-hmm. other conferences with C++ developers that have, you know, local people that can attend and don't have to book uh, plane flights and stuff. And um, so like very selfishly for myself, it's like, well, now at least I can, if I ever decide to go like completely carbon footprint and only attend virtual, virtual stuff, I still can go to one in-person conference, um, which is, which is CPP North. I mean, hope, hopefully it'll continue to thrive. I know we're doing at least next year and there are no plans to to stop doing this. Hopefully it just grows and grows in, in future years. I, I sure would like it too. I think it's, it's a wonderful atmosphere. I, I was really sh- surprised the number of different people who said to me, I just like the vibe. I like the, the ambiance. I like the way people are interacting with each other. Um, which is not something like I used to go to tech ed, right? So there's 10,000 attendees, 20, 25,000 people in the building, enormous thing. No one's ever said that about it, such a big conference like that, you know? It, it did have a, bit, uh, uh, a great vibe. I really appreciated that the, uh, the conference felt like a love letter to Toronto. Um, and on that note, I got to say, we got to have those maple tarts every day next year because I didn't get any and I really would like some. You missed um, your chance. Well, you see, that's the nice thing. If you if you had looked at the published menu, you would have known that the maple yeah. tarts were only on one magical day. Yes. And you would have got the one. So you're telling me that not only did you miss out on the maple tarts, did you eat hickory sticks? I did not. I don't even know what hickory sticks are. Did you eat ketchup chips? I did have ketchup chips. That's a well, shame. I brought a if bag gonna, of ketchup if chips. You're, you know what? If you're only going to eat one thing, you know, the Nanaimo bar is great. The maple tarts are great. I love hickory sticks. Ketchup chips is, was not the winning selection. Yeah, I, I ate about I ate about a, a third of that bag. I brought the bag back, and then I, I found my girlfriend had uh, had started eating the bag without uh, without prior authorization. <laughs> It was my bag of chips. I literally transported it across international borders. As a, pro- a product a which is chips. unavailable in the USA. One of the problems yeah. with traveling is you get a taste for things that you can't buy unless you travel, right? Yeah. So, so I discovered, I forget whether I first discovered them in the Netherlands or in Scandinavia, but Mentos, you know, the little roll of mint candies, they come in a licorice flavor. 
Or at least they do if you're in the Netherlands or the Scandinavia. It's red like, licorice? Red, why can I not say that? Red licorice or black licorice? No, black licorice. So in Dutch, it says drop on it, which I guess is Dutch for licorice. I'm, I'm a brilliant linguist. Um, anyway, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the licorice mint mentos. And, and you really can. You have to go to Europe. So uh, Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. I mean, if I... I I technically, I'm half Dutch and have relatives. If they ever visit, I'll, I'll put in a request. Uh... <laughs> That's right. Say, bring the Mentos. I've had people bring me things. And um, and Peter Bindles, who was supposed to come, was planning to bring me things and then mailed them to me because he couldn't come. So my current licorice mint needs are, are sated for a while. But Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.